Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you are listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the bastards of Boston baseball. You can find us on Twitter at bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other host for this episode is Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. He can be found on Twitter at Cushman MLB. Terry, a lot to unpack after another fun day of baseball. A couple surprises. What were some of your key takeaways? Man, I mean, the Phillies and the Padres are each one game away from playing in the NLCS. Both of those teams, the number five and the number six seeds, 10 years ago, they're not even sniffing the playoffs, or 12 years ago, however long it was, because, you know, it was obviously the top four in each league, and here we go. Um, we'll we'll get into it, uh, but all kinds of surprises today, and I think Saturday is going to be an intense day of baseball. Do we have everyone playing? Yeah, I think we do. We, we do. We have all four games. I believe it's one o'clock, four seven thirty, nine thirty, or one four seven nine thirty, something like that. Well, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, that makes two of us. I'm not going to be uh, going anywhere either. I, I'm I'm very curious to see if any of the series end up coming to a completion because there is at least one series that has the opportunity to be done. But, uh, you know, since we're going to be talking about series that aren't going to be done, let's talk about that first one. Guardians-Yankees. Finally, Yankees don't win two in a row. What were, what were some of the things you wanted to talk about on that one? Well, it's like I said in last night's episode – for the Guardians to advance, there's no path unless you're automatically winning the Bieber start and the McKenzie start. And then you're going to have to steal one after that. But big win today in the Bronx. It's not an easy place to, to try to win a baseball game. Aaron Judge forgot how to hit a baseball. This is, you hear every year players don't want to play in the home run derby because it's going to screw up their swing and they'll go on to have kind of a slumpy second half. So Devers, for instance, one of those players got invited to the uh, home run derby, declined it. And this is like a prolonged version of that for Aaron Judge where all he was thinking about every at bat was hit the ball out of the park and they had this massive lead. So he didn't he didn't have to worry about anything. Like the Yankees were cruising to winning the division. Now suddenly he's 0 for 6 with six strikeouts. Absolutely insane. Yeah, it, it actually got worse because he struck out another time after that. He actually went 0 for 5 with 4 and then 0 for 3 with 3 strikes. He's 0 for 8 in the playoffs now with, with 7 punch outs. It's seven. 7, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he had, a, he had the – no, no, no. Was, he had a sombrero and the golden sombrero. I don't remember another Yankee that was as high caliber as Aaron Judge getting that. But this is a guy who 
is is primed to get one of the biggest contracts in MLB history, and he is a zero. He is worse than Mookie Betts in the playoffs. Mookie Betts can at least get you a single, but I mean, it's unbelievable. And I mean, if you're the Guardians right now, how do you not figure out a way to lock up Emmanuel Classe for the rest of his career? When he goes in there, that's as automatic as it gets. Two and a third innings, two strikeouts, through the longest game of his career in the playoffs, the Yankees could only hang their heads on a Giancarlo stand, two-run homer. That's it. After that, nothing. Zero damage, nothing exciting happened. Giancarlo Stanton struck out two more times after that. Key play in this game, Josh Donaldson forgetting how to throw. And Jose Ramirez in the 10th inning, that little bloop play comes around a third base because of that mistake and then scores on a, the ensuing bloop play. Josh Naylor, RBI double in the in the 10th. That puts it away. You're up by two runs. Class A is not going to give up two runs. He's just not going to do it. So game three you mentioned is going to be an interesting one because you got Severino for the Yankees, who was throwing a no-hitter in his last game before he got pulled by Boone against Tristan McKenzie, who is one of the future stars for the Guardians and the sport of baseball. He's kind of got that like Chris Sale frame, but he's super dynamic. He's super efficient. He's exciting to watch. Uh, Garrett Cole's actually slotted to pitch game four now. So this is going to be an interesting one for the Yankees. If they somehow fail to pitch game three and do well in game three, there's a little bit of cushion for game four because the Garrett Cole that we saw in the first game was not the Garrett Cole that we expected. And it'll be interesting because some teams do seem to make adjustments on him and have a better uh, second performance. So that will likely be just essentially a rematch of game one. Uh, Cal Quantrill will probably be uh, the Indians or Indians. Well, I owe a dollar to the jar. Um, the Guardians starting pitcher. And uh, so, but we can't look past tomorrow. I mean, you got to, or I should say today for the listening audience, they have to win the McKenzie start. I think Severino is a little bit of a head case. Like I said last night, he does tend to struggle in big moments. I don't know what the atmosphere uh, in Cleveland is going to be like. It did seem pretty electric uh, when the Rays were up there, when they had uh, it ended up being a, a two-game set. But we'll see. We'll see. And you look at Severino and... The dude's been around a little while. He needs to, if he's going to live up to the hype that, you know, that followed him into the majors, he needs to have a big performance here uh, in game three. And I, I feel really good about the Guardians taking a lead here. I will say this. I mean, we're going to get into some other matchups here in a minute and I'm a little bit more confident one or two other teams can rally here being down two to one I'm supremely confident the Yankees can do it like I don't trust a Yank uh you know a Cleveland two to one lead it's it's still a giant mountain for them to climb 
Absolutely. Uh, this is going to be, you know, one of those interesting series. And from the beginning, um, if you'll remember, you and myself, we both said Guardians in five. Cody joined us in the, the Guardians party. Jason, Guardians in four. Andrew was the, the lone man, Yankees in four. And that's still a possibility. Like you said, you cannot count them out. Uh, if if the Guardians are able to win game three, I think if they win game three, they'll have a fair chance of winning. If you lose game three, the Yankees won. And and that's going to be going in, in tune with the Yankees have a lot more playoff experience. They've got a lot more uh, potential boom candidates to just go off. I mean, it, it's, it's not a, a far cry to say that Donaldson could have a good game. They're afraid to pitch to him. He's walking a lot, so he's he's due for a, a decent hit. And Aaron Judge is also due for a crazy game. You're not going to walk someone that keeps striking out. The Guardians are just pitching to him perfectly. They're perfectly handling the Aaron Judge situation. So, like you mentioned, it's going to be an interesting one. I I honestly do think it's going to play out five games. I really do. I hope it does. I hope it does, and I hope we have an upset. I mean, there's a possibility that the New York market completely out by the next round, the L.A. market completely out by the next round, and then what's the third one in there? Atlanta, a huge market. Atlanta is one of the biggest markets in the country. They are the team of the South. So that's uh, it's a little weird. And when Manfred... Right increase the playoffs to to six teams in each league i don't know how he views this whether he's like man i screwed up i just we've got these smaller markets in ratings are going to be down a little bit so who knows i'm with you man it's it's going to be fun one a fun one for sure the uh the second series we have here Phillies Braves. Again, four of the five hosts picked the Braves to win in three or four. Jason, the lone survivor here. Phillies in four. What an incredible third game. Phillies come out. They just destroy the Braves. Nine to one and take a commanding game three lead. Two to one now. Uh, What were your takeaways from this? In hindsight... Should I be shocked a young pitcher like Spencer Strider just got completely devoured by a very savvy, veteran-laden Phillies lineup? I guess not. I think there's a lot you you take for granted with a team like the Braves. They're, They're very well balanced all the way around. One of the better bullpens still have one of the better bullpens, even in the position that they're in currently. And I'm impressed. I I can't help but be impressed. Jason's going to have probably the pick of the postseason. Phillies Braves, there was no question the Braves were going to do their thing in this, in this matchup. I, I thought it was the easiest one to predict. I spent the last time thinking about it, the least amount of time of, of all the four matchups. And here we are. The Phillies got one more game at home. And then 
the, the they can still win in Atlanta. They already have. So it's just absolutely insane to me that that this series has gone down the way it is. And by the way, it does remind me of, of 2019 because I picked against the Nationals in every single round, including the wild card game against the Brewers. And they ended up winning the thing. So this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. Like, it, if the Phillies pull this off and they go all the way, they beat the Astros in the World Series, it's going to be the most out-of-nowhere championship of all time, I, in my opinion. If uh, if they get there, I mean, this is going to be, you know, not the first time that the Phillies have won it, but I, I thought this was the easiest matchup because I picked the Braves in three. <laughs> and I, I, I had a sweep. I just thought, you know what? Let me just go and, and pick something absolutely wild. And uh, I thought this was going to be one of the easiest ones. I thought the Braves were really, really lucky to, to kind of sneak in there. I say sneak because, honestly, I thought it was – Silly the way that everything happened. Uh, Mets end up getting bounced out, and we're moments away from potentially seeing the Braves tomorrow getting bounced. Uh, this will be the most exciting moment in Philly since 08 for them, and that's when they had an absolute insane team. So a lot to unpack on this game, too. When, um, oh, God, I think it was Reese Hoskins had a three-run shot. They elected to walk Kyle Schwarber. And Reese Hoskins hit a mood shot to left field. He spiked that bat. I think he broke dirt. Like, that's how hard he slammed that thing. He really needed a, a big play. Spencer Strider, this is his first appearance in a month. In a month. This was not going to be an easy matchup for him. The first two and a third innings, though, no problems. And then Philly gets on base with six straight guys and two of them by way of the home run. Atlanta only had one guy on their team. It was their catcher, Travis Darno, with two hits. The Phillies had three players on their team with two or more RBIs. Forget about the multi-hits. They're just playing out of their mind. The, the key play in this one, which really put this one out, was the three-run shot by Hoskins. As soon as that happened, moments later, Bryce Harper goes yard. It's 6-0, and we're in the third inning. This one's already over. The Phillies are, are absolutely on fire. I mean, you can say it's never over until it's over. It was over. The, the Braves just looked dead, like dead fish in the water. It was, it was awful. And the Phillies are capitalizing on it right now. And they're playing in Philly again tomorrow. They're going to be playing with fire. I, I haven't looked at the starters for, for game four um, for that series, but it looks like Noah Syndergaard is going to get the bump against Charlie Morton. And that's going to be a fun one. I saw a stat. I already forgot exactly what it is. I, I, it's something like Charlie Morton in an elimination game in the playoffs is five and oh, with an ERA less than one, a 0.70 ERA, something like that. So he's up there. Uh, I think he's what I think he is 40, if I'm not mistaken, um, so I don't know what he's got left and it's kind of crazy cause he's pitching against a guy, a solid decade younger who we don't know what he's got left in Noah Syndergaard. 
I saw him kind of sitting out in the in the bullpen. But the Braves can can really afford. Uh, excuse me, the Phillies can kind of afford to. I'm not saying take game four off, but take a game to kind of get things in order. I'm I'm assuming it's going to be Max Freed again for the Braves in game five. And uh, I think it would be Ranger Suarez, uh, who was the game one starter. So that's interesting. Another thing about the Hoskins home run, it was interesting that they walked Schwarber because he was like 0 for 8, 0 for 9 on the series. Uh, you know, going into that. So, and it's not like Hoskins has been red hot or anything, but why are they afraid of Schwarber? And Schwarber was essentially a no-show last October for the Red Sox. I I think he, I think he had one game where he he drove in a couple of runs. I, I don't remember, but largely was not a presence for the Red Sox. And, uh, this season seems much of the same, so definitely got burnt there uh, by choosing to pitch in to Hoskins. They're, they're both struggling, to be honest. Shorber's been struggling a little bit more. He's uh, now, I believe, one for 11 with an 091 batting average. And Reese Hoskins picked up just his, uh, you know, I think it was his first or second hit in the playoffs because he's also been struggling. He, he, he finally got off the snide there and was able to get some work done. But uh, it wasn't looking pretty for a little while. He was able to finally get something done. But man, oh man, Schwarber too. This is it, it's something with the big power hitters. Schwarber is getting just completely snowed, and so is Aaron Judge. Both of these guys who were just bangers during the regular season, really struggling. It, it's it's like something in the air for like the power hitters, and. Bryce Harper's playing out of his mind. Nick Castellanos, the guy who you wanted, Terry, who I was like, I want no part of this man, is also playing out of his mind in over 400. So everybody is doing their part in Philadelphia. You look at Atlanta right now. Matt Olson, 375. Austin Riley, 083. Matt, uh, Michael Harris, the, the center fielder, that, that rookie, like Phenom, 091. Vaughn uh, Grissom. He's hitting uh, zero. So there's a lot of players that are not getting things done. You cannot rely on two players. Ronald Acuna and Matt Olson cannot get it done. Vaughn Grissom, Michael Harris need to figure it out. They need to do more. And Spencer Strider can't pitch like an absolute scrub. You know, I know it's been a month since he's been here, but good God, if you weren't ready, you should have said something. If all you can do is two innings, coach, take me out. Or don't have me start. Have me come in the second inning and pitch the three innings right there, two, three, four, because uh, that's going to be unacceptable. Hopefully they just caught him cold, Strider, and he's not going to yeah. be one of these postseason jittery type guys that just can't can't get it done in those big games. But, but I think tomorrow is uh, a better matchup for the Braves, I should say, Saturday. So that'll... If they can win one there in in Philadelphia, they'll get to go home for Game Five, and I don't think Max Fried is going to be terrible two starts in a row. I, I think you're right. I think uh, there's got to be more fight in this Braves team. I mean, it, not just for for making me 
not look bad by picking the Braves in three. The Braves are so much better of a team than they're playing right now. They're they're an absolute incredible squad and group of guys. They're gonna do work. And and we're not Braves fans. We're not we're not Padres fans. We're not Braves fans. We're not Dodgers fans. We're not Phillies fans. We're fans of some of the players, but that's about it. I think we're just we're calling it like we see it. I thought the Braves in this series, I thought it was gonna be a cakewalk. I thought they're gonna walk right through Philly. I could not have been more wrong. And I, I look foolish. I'm going to be eating a lot of crow on this one. But man, oh man, I mean, this one and the next series that we're about to talk about, they're both hurting me right now. They're both making me look real bad. So without any further ado, we're going to slide right into that third game between the Padres and the Dodgers. What an insane third game. Not a crazy score, but an, inc- an incredible game so far. What were your takeaways on that one? Very stressful in terms of the pitching because both teams easily could have put up a five spot today with the runners that were on base. I mean, Blake Snell was constantly pitching around traffic on the bases. Uh, The Dodgers essentially ended up being a bullpen game for them anyway because um, Gonsolin just... I needed what 31 pitches to get through that first inning. And they did get what three innings out of uh, Andrew Heaney, which pretty good. But um, ultimately the, the Padres were able to push a couple of runs across the plate. Uh, one of them was a uh, Trent Grisham home run. I forget which inning that was fourth or fifth inning, something like that to lead off the inning. And Got it done, and I I have trust issues when it comes to Blake Snell. I mean, he's just he's had a rocky career outside of his Cy Young season. I think that was in what twenty nineteen, and he he pitched well, and he had that heroic performance in the twenty twenty World Series. Kevin Cash pulled him out. Rays ended up losing that game, but. He he showed up tonight and he gave it an honest effort. And if the Padres are winning games with Blake Snell starting in the month of October, look out because they've got a couple of guys who can who can pitch as well. And one of them is Joe Musgrove, who's going to pitch Game Four. So uh, very very intense game for only being a two to one game, but. But Padres got it done, and their bullpen lights out. Absolutely lights out. Yeah, that's that's what I want to talk about in this one. They're they're throwing up a couple of um, stats up on the board uh, during tonight's game, and it was just an absolute just pitcher show. Uh, the bullpen, eleven innings, four hits, twelve strikeouts at one point. Then they were talking about how Suarez. Uh, I believe this is his. He, he's new. Like, I think he's a 30 year old rookie. I'm just going to pull it up real quick. Um, uh, this is one of their flamethrowers, uh, Robert Suarez. He's 31 years old out of nowhere. He's five and one with a 2.27 ERA, has uh, 61 strikeouts and 47 and two thirds innings pitch, gave up four home runs. But the guy throws gas. Blake Snell, five and a third, like you already mentioned, five hits, just one earned run, two walks, six strikeouts. The Padres bullpen have three relievers that can throw 100 miles an hour or more. 
The bullpen tonight, three and two-thirds innings pitch, one hit, six strikeouts. The key play in this one was Nick Martinez striking out Justin Turner after a leadoff. I think it was a double in the sixth. But just to go over the bullpen numbers real quick, game one, five and a third innings, no hits, no runs, seven strikeouts, two walks. Game two, four innings, four hits, no earned runs, two strikeouts, two walks. Third game, which we just talked about, three and two-thirds, one hit, six strikeouts. In three games, the bullpen has done 13 innings of work, five hits, no earned runs, four walks, and 15 strikeouts. That's electric. That basically means that when the bullpen comes in, the game is over, and Josh Hader is back to his old games, 100-mile-an-hour stuff with movement, and you can't see it coming. It literally looked like a man pitching to a Little League club, and that was the Los Angeles Dodgers. It did not help that Trey Turner looked like he broke two fingers sliding back into first base. It did not look good that the Dodgers were not getting a lot of calls, but man, oh man, when they were arguing, it, it kind of went both ways, but the Dodgers were, it felt like they were arguing a little bit more, and it felt like the Padres were getting handed a couple extra calls. Maybe it was because they're in San Diego. I don't know. But man, oh man, if there's one thing that you guys got to take away from this series is that hitting, that's going to be coming at, at, a, at a bonus. Because if these pitchers continue doing this, expect 2-1, 3-2, 3-1 final scores. The Padres are now up two games to one. I said the Dodgers, I believe, were going to win in four, um, along with Cody and Jake Terry. You said Padres in five. Andrew joined you. I really don't want to be wrong on this one. I need the Padres to lose the next two just so I can save a little bit of face because I've been badly wrong on a lot of these games. Badly wrong. Well, I think I'm going to be wrong on something, though. I I honestly think it's going to be Padres in four at this point. I'm taking Musgrove over Tyler Anderson. I really am. If he can give you a little bit of length, too. I mean, this bullpen's been busy. You know, they've been tasked to to pitch some innings here for the Padres. So uh, it's it's interesting. And if Mookie Betts was putting up these numbers in Boston, like if we retained him and he signed with Boston, in October, I'd be calling him mediocre Mookie because that's what he is. Dude just does not show up. He's uh, got a 182 average. Uh, was one for three today with a sack fly and uh, got their only run home. But still, just doesn't get much done, uh, especially for a leadoff guy. And just absolutely terrible. Let me ask you this: you're not you're not an AJ Preller person. You've made that very clear. Never been one. I'm not either, but I, I don't think it's quite as intense for me. But what's worse for you, watching Mookie Betts advance forward or watching A.J. Preller's team <laughs> advance forward? Well, here's the thing, Terry, and you and I have talked about this before. What's worse, seeing them move forward or doing it without or realizing that they're doing it without Fernando Tatis Jr.? <laughs> 
That's, like how much does that hurt if you're a Padres fan? Like they're they're chanting beat LA, beat LA. The guy who they have pitching tomorrow, Joe Musgrove, in his last five appearances, he has thrown 29 innings. He has allowed 16 hits and only one earned run by way of the home run. Walked quite a few guys. He's also struck out 32. He's allowed three hits over his last 13 innings. He one hit the Mets in seven innings of work and only did it in 86 pitches. Why am I saying this? Five appearances in the last month and four days. He's due to get slapped. He's due. And it could come at none other at, an, at no more greater point or moment than tomorrow or today for those that are listening. I would love to see Joe Musgrove get bombed or booted in the second or third inning, give the Dodgers some some realization that they're still a major league ball club because right now they they just look like they're done. They need to dominate Joe Musgrove. I don't even know what Joe Musgrove's contract situation looks like right now. Uh, that's another thing I want to look up because if he's if this is like a contract year for him, oh my God. Joe Musgrove is going to be raking. I don't. I want to say he might have signed something last year. All right, you'll pull it up here in a second. Yep, signed a. Th- okay, so we signed a five-year, one hundred million dollar extension. Okay. Uh, from two thousand twenty-three to twenty twenty-seven, he's making eight point six two five million this year. So that was an ac- that was actually a, a really good move by the Padres to get that done. I don't recall when it was that. Um, he actually signed that. Let me see if I can find it. It might have been shortly after his no-hitter. He threw the first one in Padres history, and I want to say... August 1st. August 1st, okay. He signed that extension August 1st. So um, he's got a full no-trade protection for 2023 to 26. He can block a trade to 13 clubs in 2027. Um, Joe Musgrove is what, 25? Uh, no, he's older than that. 20, 29, Okay. So he's not young. He is a little bit younger than, than Tyler Anderson, but Anderson had a really good year this year. And if there's anybody that needs to pitch like the game of his life, it's going to be this guy. A third of his career wins came this year. He's never had more than seven wins in a season, and he threw up 15 in 2022. So the change of scenery definitely helped after four years in, at Coors, not getting it done there. He had 18 career wins in four seasons there. Just wasn't happening. He had just 11 wins the next three years after that. So he's a journeyman. It's his fifth team in five years. He finally found a home that he can do work in. I, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. Padres lose game four. I think they're winning it. And one of the things that just increases my confidence was how Musgrove thrived in that, you know, that – clinching game it, it was a go or go home game game three of that wild card series and the dude just stepped up he he shut down guys like Lindor Alonzo uh, I know I'm forgetting at least one more uh, you know big slugger in that Mets lineup but um, I just don't think he's going to be phased at all and I don't expect Anderson's necessarily going to be terrible, but I think this Padres team is vibing, and I think the Dodgers are a little bit shell-shocked. 
I mean, how many games did the Dodgers win? I'm pulling it up right now. Let's see. That was 111 wins. 111 Ouch. and 51. And they might get bounced Seattle Mariner style. And, and I think 2001, they won, what, 116 games? Something ungodly. Got steamrolled in the first round. So I, I love it. I'm here for it. I I don't I don't mind seeing the Dodgers get trounced and that's a team that underperforms and I'm not on Twitter all the time saying that 2020 was an asterisk year and that it shouldn't count it wasn't a full season blah 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 I haven't been that guy but largely in the month of October they have underperformed big time and this year might be one of the most disappointing that they've ever had. You sign Freddie Freeman and you get trounced by the Padres. That's just. He's pressing though. Freddie Freeman, when you look at him in his at-bats, he's pressing. He's trying to, he's trying to hit those, those big, big hits. Uh, and it's unfortunate. Um, he's, he's trying to, to, to do too much. And I think there's a lot of pressure on him to, to perform because Here's the thing. Matt Olson is is in Atlanta in his old spot, and there was a play when Spencer Strider threw it to first base. Matt Olson didn't get it. You know who would have made that play? Freddie Freeman. So I think the Braves are missing Freddie Freeman's leadership. They're missing that just that name in there. Matt Olson is not Freddie Freeman. It doesn't matter how you want to look at it, how many, how many ways you slice it. It's not the same person. But here's the thing. There's a chance. It doesn't matter which team Freddie Freeman was on. They may both get bounced. I hope that's not the case. I'd love to see Dodgers-Braves because I think that makes for an interesting story. But the Phillies are starting to make a case for being like in the talks. And the Padres have been in the news for all the wrong reasons this year. But LA has an incredible market. And you already mentioned that Atlanta is the team of the South. What's a more exciting World Series or NLCS prior to the World Series matchup, Dodgers, Braves, or Phillies, and Padres. You know, I'm almost going to take the latter. I don't know why. There's just so much intrigue with the Padres and the Phillies right now. I, I don't know what it is. There's, I mean, there's just a lot more boomer bust candidates. It's, I don't think they're as exciting to watch. It's probably better for baseball though to get your matchup, you know, which would be it'd be the third straight year, but right. two massive markets, and I don't know. One thing I I forgot to mention uh, in in the Phillies Braves series. Do you know what demographic of fans is absolutely hating life right now? <laughs> The Bluminati. That oh, da- yeah. that Dave Dombrowski's Philadelphia Phillies uh, might be cruising into the NLCS. Oh yeah, what do they do? They um oh yeah, they spent money. They did. That helps, doesn't it? Doesn't <laughs> doesn't it? It helps when you spend money. It's like oh, I think we need a power hitting outfielder, Nick Castellanos. I yep. think we need a, a leadoff guy. Kyle Schwarber, who, by the way, hit, what, 40-something bombs, something like that, by the time all of a sudden done? He hit 46? 46 home runs. That's where he yeah. topped out at? Wow. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Dave Dombrowski isn't one to let things fester. When there's problems, no. he wants to resolve them. And the bullpen, I, I don't know that he really resolved that, but they're they're getting away with it. And the Phillies are the one team that's putting up runs. They're winning games by putting up runs. No right. other team is doing that. So, Well, here's, here's the crazy thing, too, Terry, is uh, the Red Sox went 78 and 84. Six games under 500. The Phillies went 87 and 75, 12 games above 500. They did nine games better. The Red Sox had an opening day payroll of 206.5 million, fourth highest. The Phillies were the fifth highest, uh, excuse me, were the fourth highest at 228. So an extra 20 million got them a playoff spot. Ouch considering how many millions of dollars do the Red Sox have on payroll that were literally a goose egg. We can look at it right now, and there's a good $30 million I bet we're going to be able to find on here that's just damn it money. And by damn it money, I mean just the fact that... Well, 25 of it is Chris Sales, but... Um, there you go. But the other interesting thing here about the Phillies is outside of Bryce Harper... There's not a ton of long-term money on the books. You're going to have four more years of Castellanos, and I think at least two or three of those years are going to be fine. You're going to have three more years of Schwarber. I mean, it's not it, it's not a team that's going to be in payroll hell for a long time. I don't know what I, their farm can't be great because Dombrowski has obviously made some moves, but if they can develop a couple of guys here to um you know help keep things a little cheaper then i mean they're just going to be that much better but they're living in the now i mean there's no sense worrying about the future i mean they're one game away from the next round and who knows like i said i i picked against the nationals every single round i i don't know I don't know if I can pick the Phillies to beat the Padres. I just don't. I don't know. I. They might. I. I have no idea. But we'll see. I mean, it's still early. Tomorrow's going to be very telling. I really hope that I get to be right a little bit because, damn, did it suck to be wrong a lot today. Uh, thank goodness the the Yankees lost game two. Anything else you want to add before tomorrow's uh, games take place? I'm just ready to have no life again for the third weekend in a row. Right. Sounds about right. Well, Terry, I want to thank you for joining me tonight. And uh, there's a good chance that maybe we'll, uh, we'll surprise people and come back on tomorrow night. We'll see. All right. Well, have a good night. And for those listening, thank you. Take care.